politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen to the year 2023 here at CR Podcast. Your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here. It's been way too long. New year. It might be 2023. But for us at CR Podcast, it is always 2020 because we strive to provide you that one and only 2020 crystal clear vision on politics, policy, most importantly, what matters in the way it matters at the time it matters for the future of our life, liberty, and property. And boy, is our life at stake. Um, You know, it's been a two-week break. It's been very tough to be away from you, but hopefully you guys are still following me. I've been pretty busy on Twitter. Like a couple hours after I signed off for the old year, I was restored. And you know, I could take that as a means of success. Wow, here I am. I'm back on Twitter. But Twitter is not an end. Messaging and tweeting is not an end to itself. It's a means to do what's right. And I consider it a privilege to come before you every day and try to make a difference. And this is the key to a new year. New horizons. Look for what wasn't working and try to ascertain something new that will work. And I am sick of beating my head against the wall with failure. And I am very clear that nothing will change until we burn the GOP down to the ground. That's the reality. We'll work on covering what's going on in the House and what should be done. More importantly, what's going on in state legislatures and governors and what should be done. Upcoming gubernatorial elections, candidates we should be supporting but usually don't win. But at some point we have to realize we will have to slay the shibolus, the shibolus, the idolatry of what we've been putting our hopes and aspirations into this false hope before we could see what is justice and right. Ezekiel 37, 23. And they shall no longer defile themselves with their idols, with their detestable things, or with all their transgressions. And notice only then God says, and I will save them from their, their land in which they have sinned, and I will purify them. And they shall be to me as a people, and I will be to them as a God. And my servant David shall be king over them. and One shepherd shall be for them all. And they shall walk in my laws and observe my statutes and perform them. But the only way you can come to that is by slaying the idols. And this is the problem. We have a lot of solutions. A lot of good things can be done. We're at a crossroads. The public recognizes to some degree at least a percentage of the malfeasance of our government. There's a lot we can do. But the GOP stands as an obstacle in the midst, and we have to slay that. So, folks, there is a lot to get to. We're recording a little bit early because I need to be involved in the speaker's fight. I'm going to have to be on the phone. So we'll focus on that more for Wednesday's show. We'll talk about it maybe a little bit. But just to set the table here again, I'm on Twitter, at RMConservative. I am back. That is going to be my primary uh, venue of dissemination of information. Um, obviously, my columns at Conservative Review and The Blaze. In addition, uh, you could always email me, Horowitz at startmail.com. Now, first, our first advertiser this year is a new one, very important one, Jace Medical, J-A-S-E Medical. One of the big things you might have noticed, especially if you're a family with kids, so we have a food crisis, an energy crisis. Well, we have a medicine crisis. We dealt with this during COVID because that was more because they were banning these drugs. But notice there is a shortage of amoxicillin, doxycycline, azithromycin, basic drugs, antibiotics. Isn't it interesting? Suddenly, kids are getting sick as anything, filling up hospitals relatively, and we have a supply chain shortage. Very interesting. This is all part of the controlled demolition. So I've always been looking for ways to empower you guys so we could all prepare. The preppers were ahead of their time. Food, fuel, you know, having canisters of gas. I mean, all this stuff. Who knows? Who knows? 
But one of the things that has to be part of your emergency supplies is a Jace case. A Jace case is a pack of five different courses of antibiotics. So there's a certain amount, enough for an adult, a full course of doxycycline, azithromycin, um, uh, obviously amoxicillin, I believe two, two more to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses from UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, you name them. Um, people were freaking out about toilet paper, but what's going to happen when you can't get medicine? Well, it's already happening. That's why my friends at Jace Medical want to help you and your family to be as prepared as you can possibly be. Um, and, and this is good for, you know, if you're traveling, global pandemic, natural disasters. I used to think, oh my God, you cannot have this without having the doctor right away with you. And this, But look, what we've learned with COVID is a lot of us have gotten prepared with drugs on our own. Now, obviously, this does require a prescription, but they do it for you. So you go to jacemedical.com. By the way, use offer code REVIEW10, R-E-V-I-E-W-10, at checkout for $10 off your order. And you fill out an online questionnaire. Takes only a couple minutes. And then your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. Folks, in an emergency, your family will look to you. Make sure you've done everything you can to prepare. Have among your cases a Jace case of antibiotics at jacemedical.com, offer code REVIEW10. So, folks, I first want to make an announcement. I am coming out of the closet this year that, indeed, I am a non-binary American. I'm non-binary I don't want to hear this crap anymore that there are only two political identities. There's certainly only two genders, but no, there aren't two political identities that you're either a Republican or a Democrat because frankly, that's actually one political identity. It's the same thing. It's the uniparty. Same deal. You're able to be your own person. That's what you need. Be your own person. Stop carrying water for Republicans and being but the Democrats. We've gotten the worst we can ever get over the last 15 years. You got to start owning ideological space. Meaning, understand that this is what should happen. This is where it is. This is what we stand for. And you bring the GOP as close to that as you can get. Also, while creating something new in the long run. Here is the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. If someone is burning down your house, and then person two is blocking the path for the firefighters to enter, who is... Who's the bigger problem at that point? Well, yeah, I wish I didn't have the arsonist, but the arsonist is going to do what he does until he's grabbed and chucked out the window and then you start putting out the fire. But if there is someone blocking that door, you have to go through them. So any focus on but the Democrats rather than but the Republicans and what they can and should be doing is a waste of time. But this year, we're going to have to burn them to the ground. And folks, this is why it is so important what is happening with this speaker's fight. And again, by the time you hear this, a lot of the drama could be over unless it's going to go on for a while. The multiple ballots. I'm recording before the vote is taking place. But we always beg for a leader. We want a savior. We want a presidential candidate. Well, here, five individuals stepped up to the plate. They did what we always asked them to do. Matt Gates, Andy Biggs, Bob Good, Matt Rosendale, and Ralph Norman. Now, there's about 10 to 15 others in the background, but those five were willing to put their names out because you need a minimum of four, or no, five, really. He could afford to lose four and still get 218. He loses five, then Kevin McCarthy doesn't get a majority. So they put themselves out there while everyone's saying, you're, uh, you're obstructing and, and holding up the House majority from all the beautiful things that they, they might do for us. 
Nonsense. Those five finally did it. Do we have their back? Obviously, there's the nine people who signed the letter making demands for more policy changes. Perry, Goser, Chip Rory, Bishop, Harris, Clyde, and then two um, representatives-elect, new ones, uh, Luna from Florida, um, or actually three, Oglis and Crane, Eli Crane from Arizona. And they are demanding that we actually have a New Year's resolution to finally do something new rather than invite the guy who was part of senior leadership for 14 freaking years. It's in those 14 years that our country was lost when Kevin McCarthy was in leadership. And somehow he's the future? Are you kidding me? He is the biggest sleaze, the biggest liar And yes, he is a sleaze. Everyone kind of snickers about it and laughs about it. But really, like a guy sleeping around with every female freshman, like that's kind of the new new hotness. This is the new conservative leader. But here we have all the conservative talk show hosts either are silent on this or they're downright supporting McCarthy, which underscores the danger of McCarthy becoming leader. Because he'll get conservatives to stand down because of this relationship he built. He's so good at that. He doesn't believe in anything, but he's really good at building relationships. It's like everyone on, I want change. I want change. I don't, Daniel, I don't like politics. I don't like what's going on. Or or like Republican voters. Republicans betrayed us. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? I'm not going to come to you every new year, after every year, every year, until I'm you know, 60, 70 years old, like some of these other legacy talk show hosts, saying and doing the same things. I'm just not. I'm not doing it. I am not doing it. We're done with this. And I want, I want to talk a little bit about what I mean by this same agenda rather than doing something new. What to expect from this new GOP house and the game they're going to play. Okay, the type of issues that they're going to focus on, the way they're going to focus on, and at the time they're going to focus on it. It's designed perfectly to give a theater to conservative talk radio and Fox News and these writers and tweeters. Oh, the Democrats doing this, a Biden crime family this, or, oh, look, the border's like this, and, uh, uh, oh, look what they're doing to China like that. And it's just going to be a talking point. A talking point. In other words, the two things you need to do is, the things that matter at the time they matter, you need to fight them in the budget. Oops, they already gave up the budget leverage for this year, so we have to wait till later in the year. Then the next thing is, even what you message as standalone bills, which won't go beyond the Senate, right? You have them be generational changing bills and ideas. Earth-shattering bills and ideas. That give message to what we stand for and importantly signal for what Republicans should be doing in the states independent of what the feds do. But instead, what Republicans do is they give up the budget leverage, and then the standalone bills will be like this, like, tiny little glancing, you know, oh, this aspect of the energy agenda I don't like. And we're going to go through some of the specifics of what they plan on doing. But again, the speaker's race, we'll talk about that more post-op tomorrow, um, post-analysis, assuming it's still over. Hopefully it's not. To me, the longer the chaos, the better. We need this national dialogue that we've been avoiding really since Reagan left office and we're stuck with the Bushes. Tried to have it a little bit with Perot, the 94 revolution. We went backwards. Dark ages, the Bushes. Finally, we thought we regained our footing with the Tea Party. But the Tea Party fizzled out to a large degree because McCarthy and his ilk were in leadership. And we still haven't learned our lessons. 
Now, speaking of not learning our lessons, are you going to continue allowing big tech and big government to spy on you, censor you, and then make money off of selling your info? Let's say you're a proud gun owner. You want to talk on social media about the right to bear arms. Well, you're being flagged. We learn that now. They're working together. They're not private organizations. So to fight back against having your voice censored by both big tech and big government, I recommend ExpressVPN. It's about three years ago at this time. I installed ExpressVPN on all of my devices, so desktop, laptop, um, iPhone. You could have as many as five on one family plan. When I use ExpressVPN, they cannot see my IP address. Picture it as a mask that actually works. Plus, ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of my internet data for protection from both hackers and government eavesdroppers. ExpressVPN is by far the best VPN I've tried. It's rated number one by CNET, Business Insider, and countless other tech publications. And what I love most about ExpressVPN is even uh, technical, illiterate people like me could use it without messing it up. It's literally a tap of a button, and you're protected. It's that simple. So stop letting big tech and big government censor and track you defend your rights and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash conservative that's e-x-p-r-e-s-s-v-p-n.com slash conservative to get three months free so you get a quarter of your first year free um again freedom is not free just like your email is not free your internet usage is not free it's worth it visit expressvpn.com slash conservative to learn more so, folks, I want to delve into what these clowns plan on doing. This is from thehill.com. Okay? So, it's titled, Immigration, Energy, and Abortion. Scalise announces first legislation for House GOP. Scalise is the majority leader. He's the floor leader. By the way, that's the position Kevin McCarthy was in throughout the GOP trifecta when he failed us. But I digress. So what are their plans? What are they planning on doing? So right off the bat, immigration, energy, and abortion. Notice this is the first time you're getting back into the House control, majority control, since COVID. And somehow the mandates, the liability, the genocide, that's not in the top three. Now, there, there are legitimately a lot of terrible ways that they're destroying our civilization. So, you know, different people have different priorities. But right away, for that not to be in the top three is pretty crazy. So right off the bat, their first bill will be to rescind the boost to IRS funding. Now, this is a joke. They greased the skids to fund the omnibus bill. Oh, Daniel, the House Republican, that's the Senate. The House Republicans opposed it. No, not earlier in the year. In September is when it mattered. And McCarthy supported a CR that would be kicked into December when McConnell said at the time it will be used to craft an omnibus bill. So now when they already lost it, they're going to have a standalone bill about the IRS. Okay, so you gave up the budget leverage. At least if you're going to do a standalone bill, you know what I'm saying? If you're going to do a standalone bill, it's not going to go anywhere anyway. So at least do something that's going to grab people by the shirt collar. Not some like technical in the weeds, all the extra additional funding. Have criminal penalties for not just the IRS, but the FBI and the ATF and DHS and CISA and, and BARDA and DARPA and, and DOD and, and, and CIA and all of them. If they are proven to target Americans for political reasons, and have a private cause of action from the citizen who is targeted to sue in federal court, the individual FBI agents caught doing it. That is something that we can get excited about, even if it doesn't pass. But that will delegitimize the government, which is what we want to do. This is just, it's not, it's not strong enough. It's too little, too late. And that's going to be the theme, too little, too late. And, and also non-binding anyway. Give away the budget leverage and too little, too late. What don't doubt me, as as Rush Limbaugh used to say, that is what their modus operandi is. Too little, too late, every stinking time. Then they're going on to energy bills. 
The first bill would prohibit non-emergency drawdowns of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And the next bill would prevent the Secretary of Energy from selling petroleum from the Strategic Reserve to China. Because this all comes from the report that, you know, A, we know Biden's been drawing down our Strategic Petroleum Reserves. It's the lowest level since the 80s. And uh, um, he's been selling it to China. But is this fundamentally what's destroying our energy and destroying our economy and causing that inflation? Is it like if you have one or two bills to pass as a messaging that this is what we stand for, this will help the American people? No, it's a gotcha. It's a gotcha bill. Oh, China. And look, I don't have anything against it. We all support it, but that's the type of stuff they're going to do. What should be done is that a bill to ban all global warming regulations that cause job losses, that cause expensive goods and services and deplete or degrade the quality of products. That's what we're up against. Banning all global warming regulations, banning all green energy subsidies. You sink or swim on your own volition. Banning the green scam. That is something different. They'll never do it. See, I have to go and point this out because otherwise it says, oh, Daniel, they're, they're pushing good stuff. No, they're not. We're in the 11th hour. This is the type of stuff you have to push. And again, all of this needs to be echoed on a state level. By the way, one of the things that I'm going to be pushing when we come out with our list of uh, items, and by the way, I'm going to have published for today a list I have, and, and maybe we'll go through some of it if we have time today. Dozens upon dozens of medical freedom ideas. It's a checklist that I need you to take to every one of your state legislatures and say, do I have a bill doing one of these things in the state? But I'll get to that later. For energy, my buddy Brian Slayton from Texas, he's introducing two bills. One will allow uh, the state of Texas to um, invite in car manufacturers to manufacture cars without government regulations. You know, aside from the basic safety stuff, but I'm talking about like the the global warming type of stuff and also the tracking that they're going to have on your cars. And number two, to be able to make appliances sans those regulations that ensure your appliances break in three, three years if they ever work to begin with. This is the type of thing that grabs people. What is degrading your, 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 your quality of life? What is degrading our culture? And notice the grooming and transgenderism is not in there. This is, and I got to give Kevin McCarthy credit. This is a reflection of his vision, whatever he called it, roadmap, whatever his thing he campaigned on that stupid document. He, he's sticking to it. They're not going to be bad bills in a vacuum. There'll they'll be something you could vote for and support. It's just like, really? Like, this is the extent of what you're doing when we're playing catch-up? But that's what we need, something categorical. And before, before I go on to describe what, you know, more things they're doing versus what we should be doing, that's, that's the contrast today. You know, what they are doing to what we should be doing. And that's kind of the catch-call of the show. I give you a critique of what's wrong and what we should be doing, what I would be doing, what should be done. And my gosh, there's just so much to catch up on. I have like ADHD of the brain today. <laughs> I'm like all over the place. There's so much stuff on the depopulation and the birth rates plummeting from the shots and 50 million studies on these shots being more deadly long-term, destroying your immune system than we could have ever imagined. That we could have ever, ever, ever imagined. But um, I want to say this. I believe very strongly that this adage, politics is downstream from culture, is outdated. I believe they sometimes work together, but it's actually more the other way. Culture is downstream from politics because politics is culture. Politics is our life. Politics encompasses everything, and I think COVID kind of sealed the deal, right? I mean— Gone are the days where you have news, weather, sports, and politics, right? Different subjects. And if I don't want to care about politics, like most people never did, and so who cares? 
Okay, you debate some tax rates, you debate some government programs, some government bonds, and you know whatever doesn't affect my life. You know, it might affect it, but it's not like oh, we're gonna kill you. We're gonna make it that you can't get medical treatment in the country. We're gonna make it you can't get food and fuel. We're gonna make it that you can't walk around without a shot and a, and, and a mask over your breathing holes. Politics is everything. So let me give you a perfect example. The old adage used to be, well, you have to change the culture and you gradually work for 10 years and then you could politically or legally change a policy. What do you think the left did? Did they go for 10 years and groom people? In, they do groom people, but, but not always. They don't, they don't need it. Did they spend 10 years saying, oh, we're going to find a way to convince people to wear a mask? Within a week, they made it universal that they were denying rape victims entry into places without covering their mouth. They just did it. This is what we're doing. This is what we need to do. Here's the rationale. Done. And people start doing it. And the policy is enacted immediately. And people aren't principled. You know that. Most people are sheeple. People look at what is going on in the world and they're like, oh, I guess this is what we do now. I guess this is what it is. Because the fact that it's being done creates a veneer of legitimacy. Wow, I mean, it, it, it can't be done this universal if there's not some legitimacy behind it. You can't have everyone not just giving out the shots but forcing people to get the shots and forcing. It's, it's got to work, so I'm going to do it. That's what they do. They don't, they don't debate. They don't equivocate. They will take the most transformational policies and they'll just do them. They, they, don't, they don't cut around the edges. Like you're going to see, I didn't even get to immigration, what they plan on doing on that. They just, like, you know, Republicans cut around the edges. They're like, hey, hey, buddy, you can't function. This is a great reset. You can't function without the new normal. And they just do it, and it works. But you can do it in reverse. Governor DeSantis proved this. He just enacted one thing after another, and he made it the culture in Florida. No, in Florida, this is what we do. I'm not saying everything's perfect and we're to the promised land there. Before he came in, the place was a toilet like every other Republican legislature, you know, place where they controlled for a while. So it's only been a few years, but he's getting there. Still a lot more to be done. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to a really good second term there. Really good legislative session. But we need to make sure all states are doing this. Because this is what you do. You don't equivocate. People don't understand nuances. Global warming is a hoax. We're not doing this. It's destroying our quality of life. This is why you can't purchase anything anymore. You can't find things. Every damn thing you want to do in your life is marred by a supply chain. No, this is not happening. COVID fascism doesn't happen. The shots are killing people. Here's all the evidence. Not happening. The more you do, the more you do. You know, in Florida, all the corporations there have been quiet since he went after Disney. Publix, one of the biggest employers, decided not to administer the shots to kids when they came out because the governor said, we recommend against them. Politics controls culture because politics is all encompassing now. So when you legally say, this is what we do, it creates a culture. That's what the left does. That's what we need to do in reverse. In the states, and that's why the states are what matters. The red states, and this is going to be my main focus, the legislatures. Again, I need you guys to help me. What is going on in your state legislature? That's a problem. That's good. I can't monitor all 25 on my own. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. You can email me anytime. I'll you know, definitely try to get back to you. But this is the point. Think about all the things the left has done. They just do it. They do it. And the more you allow that cancer to percolate without a response, the more it does become part of culture. Think about the tranny issue. Finally, Republicans are haphazardly talking about it. But for 10 years, they let it fester. We're too scared to talk about it. The left just does. So we need to just do. It's banned. 
No transgender bathrooms, no castration, no drag shows, no library story time, no transgender mention or indulgence or policies throughout any area of the state government. And at a federal level, yes, they don't have control of all three. We get that. But the House, at least in your standalone legislation, it needs to reflect this. It needs to reflect it. But they're just mealy-mouthed. It's just, well, the conservative version of this. Let me give you a great example. Last week, obviously, it's a quiet week between Christmas and New Year's. Not much going on. But, you know, there were big earth-shattering studies that came out on the shots. And um, if you haven't seen, I have them all at Conservative Review. You click on my name, and you can see the columns that you might have missed the last two weeks. You know, I didn't take off. I, was, I put out a couple of videos, not as many as I wanted, but I did put out a couple of videos on Rumble. We have a CR Podcast channel on Rumble now. You could, you could check that out. I'll try to keep up, you know, doing some videos as well. But, you know, we didn't have the show. But I was tweeting a storm. But not just tweeting, but, you know, putting out real information. And I had my columns going. But anyway... We couldn't gain traction on this because you know what the biggest story was? George Santos, this Republican from New York that somehow claimed he was Jewish but isn't Jewish, and somehow it was like the, the biggest scandal in the world. So it's like I had mixed feelings here because on the one hand, what a stupid story. So these guys are literally murdering millions of people from COVID shots and the COVID fascism. They're destroying the supply chain of, me- chain of medicine, food, fuel, you name it. Life, liberty, property. And this guy lied that he was Jewish. Like, really? What do I care? The bigger issue is these stupid clowns that speak for Jews, like these reform, deform, loser, Soros, fake Jews. They're the bigger liars, and that's the bigger scandal. But then on the other hand, this George Santos guy was the embodiment of what's wrong with the party. He rose to prominence in the GOP. Why? Because his shtick, to use a Jewish word, was that he was a pro-Trump, gay, Latino, Jewish, Ukrainian. I'm not kidding you. So he manipulated the very identity politics Republicans say they hate but actually love. And he did it, by the way, with the backing of key Trump allies like Elise Stefanik, who's a leftist. That's the bigger issue. Republicans were disappointed. Oh, he lied about one of his identities. But the bigger issue is he rose to prominence because he played the GOP identity politics, which is a reflection of what the GOP stands for. That's what they're all about, is identity politics. That's all they care about. And that's kind of why they're all about, ooh, the little messaging Oh, Biden's like this, but we stand for this. Not trying to change outcomes. And like I'm telling you, no matter what, you can't get a bill signed into law with just control of the House. But if you're going to change civilization, you put categorical bills, categorical ones that grab people. Imagine if they started out the year, no liability for vaccine companies that are the greediest, most criminal. Do you understand the data we have on that? They have paid the worst cri- the worst criminal payouts in the history of commerce. They make more money than ExxonMobil and they are exempt from all, practically all liability and they've been proven in the government's own data to kill and maim Millions of people. Do you know how much that would put the world on defense? Such a legislation. It's not, again, we're governed by the rule of political will, not the rule of law. It's not so much about enacting the law change. You know, because I'm going to be advocating a lot of different bills, certainly where they can enact them, with trifecta control in the red states, but still... It's the process of saying, this is what we stand for. This is immoral. This is harmful. This is what's right. This is what we're doing. That's what the left does. But anyway, with that kind of long, elaborate introduction, let me go on in this Hill 
uh, article. So yeah, those loser energy bills, the IRS thing. The next thing is the Border Safety and Security Act would allow Homeland Security Secretary to turn away certain migrants in order to achieve operational control at the border. Republicans have repeatedly accused Homeland Security uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas of not meeting the legal standard of operational control. Like, what? We have a freaking invasion. The public is 100% on our side on this issue. The polls show it. You literally have, like, the last 90 days. Just the last 90 days. There's probably been, um, we calculated, if you look at the first three months of the fiscal year, so October, November, December, it's a quarter of the year, between the apprehensions and the gotaways, probably about a million, a million people. A million people. That's annualized pace of four million. Okay? Four million is <clears throat> the size of the city of L.A. One year. And that's on top of the first two years of, of, of the Biden administration. What's so hard about prohibiting the release of any individual into the country? Instead, it's like, turn back certain classes of whatevs. What do you mean certain classes? All of them. And, and, and again... They're going to have all these border security bills, but it's all a sleight of hand because you can't force the administration to do something it doesn't want to do. You have to put a negative on it. You cannot release anyone. If you say, thou shall secure the border, they're not going to do it. It's a joke. And we all know that you gave up your budget leverage anyway. So if you're going to have a messaging bill, make it categorical. Go after the benefits. Repeal Plyler v. Doe. Move the Overton window. Push the envelope. No bennies for them. Things like that. Categorical. Instead, it's just like this nitpicking. Which is so weird. You know, like, people don't understand. You can't litigate yourself out of an invasion. You can't. There's, there's over... 2 million backlog in the immigration courts. Okay? What's so hard to message that? You, you're somehow going to turn away certain classes? I'm just reading the Hill article. I actually, I didn't look at the bill yet, but it's like, really? Like, that's pathetic. Now, by the way, this is also why it's so important to make sure that individual members could force votes on amendments. Now you might say, well, Daniel, didn't Kevin McCarthy concede that and agree to that? Well, yes and no. He did kind of, which is only because these guys were brave enough to fight him for a speaker. But if you look at him, it looked very carefully. The rules committee could still always waive the rule. In other words, let me just explain, you know, while everyone's talking about the structure and the rules of the House and the Speaker, one of the things you need to understand is every bill that's written out to the floor, the Rules Committee writes the parameters of the floor debate of that bill. So you'll hear a lot of headlines at the beginning of a Congress. Oh, we adopted a standing rule of hey, you, the, every bill has to be read 72 hours before, before you could release it. Um, you get this not time of debate. You get these amendments, and that's all great. But then there's the Rules Committee that's run by the worst pukes, literally Tom Cole. Tom Cole, one of the biggest leftists, is going to be the Rules Committee chairman, Tom Cole. He is going to waive the rules. They have the power to waive them. So you could have a standing rule, but then in each individual bill that's brought up to the floor that actually matters, guess what they do? They waive it. This is why we need... And here's another one. Another bill would require 
uh, the National Incident Criminal Background Checks, uh, NICS, which is used during the sales of firearms, to notify ICE and local law enforcement if a person in the U.S. illegally attempts to buy a gun. So it's like, okay, wait a minute. So we have all these criminal aliens. We have all these bennies. And they're like picking this, this like in the weeds thing of, okay, any one, any illegal that attempts to buy a gun has to notify ICE. Again, these are all in a vacuum, okay ideas. But it's like, what? It's just so underwhelming that like we're well beyond that. I'm telling you guys this because I want to give you a flavor of what these clowns are doing. And what's going to happen is the conservative radio is going to be like, yeah, look at this bill. And, and you're going to have this fake fight and it won't go anywhere anyway. But not only won't it go anywhere, it won't achieve any messaging victory because it's too nuanced. And then finally, they're going to have two abortion bills to codify the Hyde Amendment permanently, you know, to prohibit federal funding for abortion. And then the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. And, and it's like, look, you know my view on abortion. I cannot get excited by a political party that literally is supported and is still supporting the vaccine biomedical experimentation that's killing eminently more people, but also there's no informed consent. Abortion, again, we feel for the babies, but at the end of the day, we've done what we can, right? Everyone knows what you're doing with abortion. We fought it for 50 years. Whereas with vaccines that they're not even touching, not only don't people know they're killing people, but they're they're sold as the biggest cure. Every child from the time they're born, you know, they, they plan on coming out with... um. This from Wired.com. In 2023, we plan to begin clinical trials for the first mRNA vaccine candidates against malaria and tuberculosis that combine known and new targets. Malaria, tuberculosis, RSV, flu, Marburg's, Ebola, one after another. What they're already giving to kids, aside from COVID, is likely a big problem. And we need to learn more about that. But it's like, really? When you understand, if you look at the articles, how this destroys your God-given immune system. The article I did about IgG4, the most important study to have ever come out in the last two years. If you haven't seen it, it's one of my last articles in Conservative Review. Those of you who didn't see this over the break, how it's been proven that the shot, you have two types of antibodies. They're always like, oh, look, it has antibodies. But which type, in what amount, what part of the body, and over what time? Those are important details. God has that worked out. You want to mimic that with a vaccine. It's not so simple. If, it, if it's the wrong antibodies, the wrong type, it turns out you have neutralizing antibodies, IgG 1, 2, and 3, but then you have class 4 which are tolerating antibodies. Well, why would you want to tolerate something? Well, if it's not a, a pathogen and antigen that replicates and could be harmful like a virus, let's say it's bee pollen, let's say it's peanuts, let's say it's pollen, or bee venom, I meant, or, 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 or pollen, right? So with pollen, you obviously don't want a hyper-inflammatory reaction to it. Those of you like me who suffer spring allergies because your body's like, oh, you know, your body's going crazy. You want IgG4 or IgE is another one. That's what that's what's usually in the allergy shots that you get. It gives you tolerating. Nobody, you're going to be exposed to this many times. It's not a problem. It doesn't replicate. It's okay. Chill out. But you don't want to tell the body's guns to chill out and lie still in the face of a virus. It turns out your body is flooded with IgG4 telling your body to tolerate COVID, which is why it's the best explanation so far for the more you inject, the more you infect. And boy, do we have data on that now. While three years later, it never goes away. People are getting it multiple times. 
largely it's not really that bad, but, you know, they're saying hospitalizations are the highest they've been in 11 months. Why is that? Why is that? Because they screwed up your God-given immune system. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is, even if you're the type who didn't get blood clots and heart failure and strokes and neurological damage and autoimmune, but for so many people, and we don't know, is it a third, a quarter, a half, three quarters, all, are going to get immune suppression. And what does that do for the long run? This is a pro-life issue. This is a big issue. You know, I've been dealing a lot with um, cancer over the break. Just so too many family members, friends, it's just terrible. And I'm not saying we have a cure to cancer. We don't. But I'm positive that if we allowed a fraction of the research that goes to the cartel to develop yet another chemo drug that doesn't work but destroys your body, to looking at all the anti-inflammatories, all the immunomodulators, all the anti-parasitics and antifungals that have brought action um, that are anti-tumor, and you put them together, there's no way, because I already know with low-dose naltrexone and things like that, they definitely have some action at a minimum extending your life with some of these cancers. And unlike chemo, it doesn't do any, you know, it doesn't make you sick. That's pro-life. And Republicans are part of the medical cartel. So I don't want to hear, oh, I'm pro-life. You know, let me, let me give you a great example of this. So Trump made these comments uh, you know, earlier this week blaming the pro-life movement for losing the election. Now, I obviously don't agree with him, certainly not defending him, <clears throat> but an amazing thing happened. Dade Phelan tweeted out a whole rant against Trump. Now, those of you who aren't in Texas might not know who Dade Phelan is. He's the Speaker of the Texas House, Okay. Speaker of the Texas House. Now, this man is the reason why Texas is nowhere near Florida and nowhere near being a red state. I mean, along with Greg Abbott. No question. No question along with Greg Abbott. But he is why the legislature is a toilet. He's the one that gives half the committee chairmanships to Democrats. He is a Chamber of Commerce, Teachers Union, Communist, Transhumanist, WEF bot. No, and nobody will disagree with that characterization of him in Texas. Even the media in Texas, they'll say the moderate Dade Phelan. Okay, no one will do that. But listen to what he tweeted out. GOP has lost control of the Senate three cycles in a row, and it was not the fault of the pro-life movement. It was your hand-picked candidates who underperformed and lost bigly. My 2023-2024, May, May 2023, bring the GOP new leadership proud to protect the unborn. You see what I hate about the abortion issue? It allows the communist Republicans to be hardcore on one issue and virtue signal it over, over it at the expense of everything else. So you see, even Dade Phelan, who is a rhino's rhino, look how tough he talks on abortion. I'm sick of that being the go-to issue. I'm just sick of it. If you're good at other things, then fine. But if you're in the back pocket promoting the vaccines, promoting, opposing any, anything to go after vaccine injury, vaccine liability, and the entire COVID biomedical state, and not pushing a medical freedom agenda, doctor's freedom. Remember, most people have comorbidities. They need help. They need treatment. They need a better system. This is life. Okay. You can't avoid the vaccines, most of them. Try finding a pediatrician. Some of them are mandated. You can't avoid the hospital system and medical care because we don't have another system. You can absolutely avoid abortion. It doesn't mean I don't think we shouldn't fight against it, but it means that it is so inverted when abortion is always their first and only go-to and then they're bed on every other issue. But this is the broad point with the GOP distracts and deflects and creates a circus, a theater, so that we can never focus on what matters. But I am absolutely committed to focusing on the issues that matter in the way they matter 
and at the time, they matter. So folks, as we're talking, I'm watching the split screens, you know, as they're gearing up for the speaker's vote and all the acrimony and everything. And it's important to remember, when we talk about the issues that matter at the time they mattered, as early as March 20th, Andy Biggs, who's leading this fight against McCarthy, called on Fauci to resign. March 20th, before the Republicans even passed the worst legislation in history, guided, by the way, by Kevin McCarthy. If Thomas Massey was the hero of the COVID shutdown bill, well, who was the zero? Kevin McCarthy. And, you know, just to kind of tie this together, the issues that matter, you know, rather than focusing on the legacy issues, the legacy processes, looking at politics, the same conventional one-dimensional thing, R's versus D's, same issues, year in, year out, decade in, decade out, like all these conservative talk show hosts, and the lack of a voice, not just a vote, but a voice on the issues that matter, right? This is why we are where we are with vaccine injury now, where the public is ahead of the Republican elected officials who won't even talk about it. Just what embodies this, before we go on, as I'm talking, I'm seeing Ben Shapiro tweeted out, McCarthy's job as Speaker and the job of the GOP is to say no. That's it. Since Dems control the Senate and the White House. What is the actual policy advanced by stalling him here other than to hand Dems a PR win by depicting the House GOP as a clown show? So first of all, like this is all that matters in politics, a PR win of the House in disarray. But putting that aside, with all due respect, Ben, it's not true. The job is a lot more than just saying no. It's, it's, it's more than just mechanically, oh, the Senate and the White House want something, so we're going to say no. You're not just a, a vote, you're a voice. Okay, you give voice to something. It's a matter of what you're going to investigate, what you're going to deliver in terms of a message every day. And then also mechanically, too, it's, it's holding up the budget bills, the defense bills, the authorization bills, things like that. But the point is, A lot of these guys act as if Kevin McCarthy was created today. They don't follow Congress and the legislative issues with the degree of specificity we have here for the last 15 years. So none of this is new to us. They act like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. But this is is what it means to give voice. Kevin McCarthy will never do that. Will never do that. Do you know that Mitch McConnell is set to become the longest-serving leader today? 14 years. By the way, McCarthy was also in leadership. Some of the lower rungs, if you add them in, for 14 years. But McConnell was there longer than any party leader. That's how flaccid and pathetic the Republican movement, the Republican Party and the Conservative Inc. movement is, that they had the longest-serving leader on their watch among either party in history, Mitch McConnell. And now people like Ben Shapiro, all these guys, you know, Levin and whatever, they'll say McConnell's bad. But mind you, with some of them, if you would go back, they were bashing me or bashing those that were trying to get rid of McConnell. When I recruited against Mitch McConnell in his Senate seat, nobody joined me. Nobody joined me. So now in order to cleanse their support for McCarthy, they're like, yeah, McConnell's bad. Yeah, 14 years too late. Gee. I've been on his case since 2010, 2009, really. That's the thing about all these losers. They're always a day late, a dollar short. So this is where we are. By the way, notice the passion of the rhinos backing McCarthy. It's the most far left-wing Republicans that are supporting him. Elise Stefanik is nominating him. She's, she, uh, she voted to redefine marriage. Meaning, if McCarthy really were giving in to the concessions of the conservatives, why would they so emphatically support him? Again, they know he's a fraud. There's only one good argument against the fight against McCarthy. 
There's one good argument that I will concede. But the problem is that blows up their entire tour de force. See, the only good argument is this. Basically, if I had to make the argument against Andy Biggs, I'd say this. Kevin McCarthy, the problem is not Kevin McCarthy per se. The problem is the Republican conference. He's merely a reflection of the Republican conference. We only have a few dozen conservatives. I've noted this. I noted this in December before we broke for the year. There is actually a much larger caucus called the, they used to be called the Tuesday group. They call themselves the governing group. They don't govern anything other than govern in accordance with Democrat principles. But they're larger, meaning the group that's to the left of the establishment is larger than the group to the right. So it's a reflection of the Republican conference. And if you have a fight, you might risk getting a phony conservative like Scalise or Jim Banks. Yes, Jim Banks is a phony conservative. But that in itself is an indictment of their position. That shows how broken the party is that they have been obsequiously genuflecting in front of for years and promoting rather than joining me and trying to do surgery with leadership elections, with primaries and all this stuff and forcing policy fights. It's always but the Democrats. So yeah, we're at a position where these members are isolated. No one supports them. You're right. They don't. Because we are the true rhinos. It, it demonstrates that the GOP is a stage five cancer. Meaning, what's important to note is it's not just the members of Congress at the fringe. The guys in D plus two districts. You have Mike Rogers from Alabama. He's saying we need to kick all these guys off committees. He represents one of the top five conservative districts in the country. He's a leftist. And guess what? He is the chairman of the Armed Services Committee. All the Super A and A committee chairmen have failing liberty scores. That's your GOP house for you. So yeah, they might fail in their endeavor, but it's only because the entire house and the ha- is garbage and the house... GOP is more conservative than the Senate GOP. But it's all relative. People think, oh, it's the Senate Republicans are the problem. Yeah, for the last 20 years, people like myself have been trying to deal with that and no one else was. So now they're like, oh, the Senate's the problem. Yeah, the House is like, okay, instead of uh, you know three conservatives in the Senate, so maybe you'll have a few dozen in the House. But it's only a small portion, small percentage. Remember, folks, that when they had that private conference vote to get rid of earmarks, that's a small potatoes thing. That's so consensus that even the Boehner Congress already did that. Meaning this wasn't anything novel. It was merely reinstating what Pelosi got rid of. From 2010 to 20, what is it? 2016, they were operating under an earmark ban. Only 52 Republicans supported it. That's less than a quarter. So yeah, I guess we are the true rhinos. And speaking of true rhinos, I want to just end today with one story. The fact that we are so behind the eight ball, two years behind on having a party leadership giving voice to vaccine injured. So obviously the big news story, one of the big news stories of the day is the terrible uh, incident during the Bengals-Buffalo Bills game uh, when uh, Bills safety DeMar Hamlin just collapsed on the field. No one ever saw anything like it, just had a heart attack on the field. And, you know, people are out there obviously saying it's vaccine injured, and then other people are like, how dare you say that, how dare you say that? But everyone's missing the point. It's not about Hamlin. I've said before, I don't like, you know, people ask me, do you think this guy died of the vaccine or got injured from the vaccine? Like, I can't, unless I have kind of specific information, you can't really wager definitively about that. And I don't like speculating, especially when you have an individual whose name is known, his life hangs in the balance, his family cares about him. I don't want to make that the issue. 
But the broader issue is, all these people are like, how dare you say that? There's no problems. All these conning people, by the way. I can't say anything about Hamlin, but what I can say is, we have 1,616 athlete cardiac arrests, 1114 of them having been fatal since the vaccines came out. Put another way, from 1966 to 2004, there were 2.4 athlete cardiac deaths per month. Since 2021, there's 46.4. And again, that's together with all the surveys. You know, Rasmussen has the survey out. 33% of Democrat voters say they know someone who died from the vaccine. How do you deny that? And then there's the other story that no one's talking about. Another NFL story. Now he's a former player. And it wasn't on the field. But we're seeing all of these. It's not When they're not on the field, it's not so much, oh, you know, uh, high adrenaline caused, triggered the myocarditis or something like that. It's more just, it's a known, defined universe of people. You know, because to say the whole universe, oh, there's a lot of people dying young. Well, it's hard to kind of quantify that. But have you ever seen so many sports players we're seeing in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, current, former, even off the field, just dying? So in the same day, you have former Jacksonville Jaguars player, and I apologize, I haven't followed the NFL in a while, so I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Uk uh, Wanuri, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Sorry, U-C-H-E-N-W-A-N-E-R-I, rest in peace. But he died in his home suddenly. Suddenly, cardiac arrest, um, according to the Tippecanoe County coroner. He was 38. He drove up from Georgia, um, was at his wife's home, and just collapsed. And the problem is, it's not any one, it's tons of these. And it's also important to note that every last person who died of COVID, they said he's unvaccinated, he died uh, without the vaccine, and they danced on the person's grave. Now, we're not here to dance on people's grave and blame them for getting it. We're, we're, we're saying from a public policy standpoint, they have to take these things off the market. But mind you, they selected people that didn't get the shot. Meanwhile, tons of people who got the shot died of COVID, and the ones who didn't have the shot, died of COVID. They died from a lack of treatment. They died from gain-of-function research. They died from bioterrorism. wasn't their fault. But I do have to point out that amidst everything they're telling us, that this Nwanuri uh, guy, he did tweet out on September 1st, 2021, long after anyone should have known these problems, it's not just he was supportive of the vaccine. Okay, this was dug up on his Twitter, and it does appear to be authentic. This appears to be from his account. Okay, so let's get these vaccine mandates and vaccine passports up and running ASAP. We seeing children die daily from the unvaccinated selfishness, whatever that could even mean. Pregnant women at risk too. Protect life. Mandate the vaccine. Jail anyone who refuses to protect life. So I do have to point that out. Um, so that that's the bigger story. And also, while, while you can never say definitively on an individual, we don't even know, this guy clearly was vaccinated, but back to Hamlin, there's no information. The presumption was he was vaccinated because most players you know, couldn't get out of the mandate. But we, we don't know. I don't know the details. So I'm not, my point is not Hamlin. My point is broadly what we're seeing in the macro data that you can't deny. And the mechanism of action cannot be denied. So all these con ink types like Eric Erickson who's like, how dare you say that? Okay, fine. Forget, put Hamlin on the shelf. But what about V-Safe? There's what, you don't have a problem with that? All of it. And also what does bother me is, again, I don't like to say without evidence that this guy 100% died of the vaccine. I can't say that. But the ones that do the opposite. Oh, no, no, it was because he was hit in the chest. Wait, he, he got up. We've seen 50 times worse. And in the history of the NFL, we've never seen that to go into cardiac arrest. You could say theoretically it is possible you get hit in the chest and you can theoretically, maybe, maybe not. I don't know the medicine and the science behind that. But they're grooming people to think this is normal. It is not normal. Now, you could have a once in 70 year event that happened to happen then. Maybe. 
can't disprove that. But the notion that nothing to see to even speculate. In other words, I don't think it's right to definitively say when the guy's hanging and life is hanging in the balance, I'm not going to sit and, and dump on that. We don't know for sure. But it's also not right to dismiss the concerns that, whoa, wait a minute. We have 1611 other people that that's happened to. And we've never seen this in the NFL like that. And the mechanism of action makes sense. And the German autopsy study showed this. The FDA's own data. They said subclinical myocarditis is 60 times greater than even the clinical level. Pfizer was supposed to have a study out by the end of the year on subclinical myocarditis. Never published. FDA doesn't care. So the intrigue should be there. It is a legitimate point to raise. I wouldn't definitively say conclusively it was, had to have been from that. But in conjunction with everything else we're seeing, this is the difference. It's not like, oh, we're just, you know, conspiracy theory out of the, out of, out of the, out of the blue. It jives with everything else we're seeing. So if it's not him, it certainly is something you have to suspect. And at some point, what they're trying to do is groom the public to think it's normal for young people to die this, you know, universally, this widespread from sudden heart attacks. That's not true. That is not normal. Like, oh, yeah, we got it all. It makes perfect sense why Hamlin dropped. Like, No, it doesn't. So both things are true at the same time. But the point is, how are we two years behind on this? The same way we're going to be two years behind on Ukraine, the same year is reason why we're behind on jailbreaking, criminal justice reform, and the border, and everything, and global warming. And even then, there's still, as I noted, Republicans still buy into it to some extent. The same reason we're 10 years, 14 years behind on Mitch McConnell. Con Inc. is constantly too little, too late, a day late, a dollar short. Here at CR Podcast, we're always skating to where the puck is headed. Always the leading edge. It is so good to be back. Send me your comments, questions, concerns. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at rmconservative. I'm going to be very much on fire. My columns will be at the Blaze or Conservative Review, so check both. Um, because of a lot of the censorship with Google, we're still putting a lot of the COVID stuff at Conservative Review, the other stuff at the Blaze. Look, let me know your comments, what you want to cover, but we're going to start having guests on as well. Tons of issues to catch up on. Make this your one-stop shop. Please sign up. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you can with a comment. It helps us rise above the rancor of these superficial idiots. You know, a lot of them are like, um, excuse me, there's nothing policy-related to this. What are you going to accomplish? D- don't lecture me on policy. I have out today the most comprehensive policy list on medical freedom and we're going to do so on on every other important issue as well so we got that covered as well you could find that column as well at conservative review make sure to pass it around to your legislators as the checklist will we'll get more into the state issues as the speaker's race dies down as well until tomorrow god bless y'all and thank you for listening